in that respect, the, the floodgates have sort of opened and I, I'm excited and encouraged by it because what it's, it's demonstrating is that at the state level, we're thinking about the individual and healthcare delivery in a very different way. And this is something that's not new, right? We've been talking about population health for over a decade, but because of COVID-19, it's sort of unavoidable at this point. And, and this is what folks have to focus on going forward. From Tyler Technologies, it's the Tyler Tech Podcast, where we talk about issues facing communities today and highlight the people, places, and technology making a difference. My name is Jeff Harrell. I'm the Director of Content Marketing here at Tyler, and I appreciate you joining me. Healthcare, it is such an important topic because whether you're caring for your own health situation or that of a friend or loved one, it impacts us all. So I'm very excited about a three-part series we are doing on healthcare. Today is part one, and we're gonna look at the healthcare environment and how it has been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Part two, we'll look at the opioid epidemic and how it is one of the most deadly, costly, and longest-running public health epidemics in America. And then part three, we'll dive into care and case management and how managing cost, quality, and efficiency is paramount to America's healthcare mission. But today, we're in part one, and we're gonna dive into the current healthcare environment with Jeff Stocker. Jeff is Managing Director of Health Ventures here at Tyler, and has worked with government agencies and healthcare enterprise systems for over a decade. He's developed health strategies for accountable care organizations, the Foreign Military Studies Office, DOD, VA, and Medicaid agencies. He is an absolute expert in this space, and possibly my favorite fun fact about Jeff is he plays the banjo. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Jeff Stocker. Well, Jeff, welcome to the Tyler Tech Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jeff. I'm looking forward to this today. Yeah, I'm excited about this three-part series, and I think it's, it'd be great to start with a little bit about you. Get Help us get to know you a little bit. What's a little bit of your background and your role here at Tyler? Sure. So uh, in the official capacity, I'm our managing director of our Health Ventures group. Health Ventures was formerly called Tour Health, and that really was born out of the COVID-19 pandemic, where essentially our organization at NIC was providing everything from testing to vaccination services with a handful of very strategic partners. I always joke, I never expected to be in healthcare, and this was never uh, my intended path in life. So actually, when I finished grad school, I thought I was going to get into the world of finance and uh, international banking. And part of the work I was doing with the United States Army's public health department was looking at conflict and development in parts of sub-Saharan Africa. And that sort of invariably led me down a path to understanding what was happening from a public health perspective. And that sort of took its course. I had the opportunity to work as a contractor with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid as well. Some of the early days of insurance counseling and benefit counseling, uh, it was called MyMedicare.gov. And then shortly thereafter, I, I went to work for an organization called Cerner, uh, which is now owned by Oracle. And we were working really at the forefront of population health technology, introducing these sort of novel concepts to large healthcare systems, Medicaid agencies, public health departments. And invariably, uh, about four years ago, I joined NIC to help kick off some of our, our healthcare initiatives here. 
Well, and we're, we're grateful that you didn't go into finance and are, are helping us here with the, the healthcare here at Tyler. And I'd love to dive in because I know when in the intro we talked about how COVID-19 has changed the world forever. And we're going to dive certainly deeper into that in subsequent episodes. But what are some of the most notable ways the world has changed relative to healthcare? The most interesting thing to me about COVID-19 was that this really exposed what I would classify as a true public health crisis. And I would even go so far as to call this a vast array of institutional inefficiencies that existed within our healthcare infrastructure in the United States and to some extent worldwide. But what it really brought to the surface was both at the hospital enterprise level, and then I would even go so far as to say at the legislative level, when we look at federal and state and even local healthcare delivery wings, these organizations were not prepared um, and, and quite candidly were unable to use sort of the old traditional models of healthcare delivery to treat and, and deal with the pandemic. The other thing I think is interesting is, you know, this is probably, in, in my opinion, the first public health crisis that's truly gripped the world. And you have to go back almost 100 years to the first influenza pandemic. And we've certainly had other pandemics or, you know, public health crises, whether it was the AIDS epidemic. These have caught the public eye. They've been at the forefront. The difference here is that COVID-19 actually sort of staggered and affected everybody, that governments had to take action, that our, our partners, our hospital systems, our care teams, there was no avoiding this. This affected everybody. And I think in that sense, it was truly one of those holistic sort of pandemics, for lack of a better term, that again, like fundamentally altered the way we think about healthcare and delivery. And uh, the delivery piece is probably the most critical because when you think about the way the healthcare system has traditionally worked in the United States, it has always been very transactional. And what I mean by that isn't so much financial, but it's this concept that the system is really intended to treat sick people. The system is not intended or has not been architected properly enough to keep people healthy. And these are two very important concepts, but once again, that I think you know, we've, we've talked about for over a decade in this sort of concept of population health, this pandemic really brought that to the surface and, and made it incredibly topical and, and immediate. Well, Jeff, I wanna follow up on that because I, I didn't really think about it that way that you know, when you're sick, you really, you don't feel good, you want some relief. So you you find a way either virtually or go to go see a doctor during the pandemic. When you're healthy and hospitals are crowded, doctor's offices are busy, maybe you put off your physical. And I just realized I haven't had a physical in maybe two or three years. That's got to have a long-term impact too. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. The consumerization, if you will, of healthcare, again, is something that, that COVID-19 brought to the surface. And you think about what you have been asked or required to do to go find care just as an individual who's navigating the system as opposed to you know showing up to the ed or calling your doctor's office i think that level of technology certainly plays a huge part of it the the big crisis that we're seeing though and it's what you're alluding to is this concept of as you said keeping somebody healthy versus treating a sick person and you're talking about you know not not getting your physical well, Jeff, like I think about individuals in a community that are traditionally underserved. I'm thinking about individuals who have concurrent chronic health conditions. And in the system, even pre-COVID-19, a number of those conditions were often overlooked to treat another condition that seemed more pervasive or more at the surface. And a classic example of this, and we'll go back and we'll talk about this in a subsequent episode, is around the opioid epidemic. But what you had was, as people were focused primarily then on 
what do we do to just keep ourselves healthy, to go get a, a vaccine or to go get a test on COVID-19? You had a whole group of individuals who had chronic conditions, whether they were behavioral health related, they might have been related to an individual's physical well-being, hypertensive, COPD, asthma, diabetes. And in order to sort of make COVID-19 topical, you had a number of these other conditions that people weren't managing particularly well and through no fault of their own, because again, the, the, the impetus and the focus was on the pandemic. So what you're describing is is very real. And you know, if I use the expression, it, it creates a little bit of a health tax that all of us are gonna have to pay forward in a few years. And again, that's why when you look at just the after effects of what the pandemic were, certainly we're at a phase where a number of individuals have been vaccinated or tested, and there seems to be a, a pretty strong and firm grip on the pandemic winding down. But the inverse of that is that you saw opioid addiction rates and overdose deaths skyrocket in the past two years. You've seen a higher incidence of alcohol abuse. And by the way, like none of this is anecdotal, because if we look at the state level, you've seen, I think nationwide, in aggregate, something like a 30% uptick in Medicaid enrollment, because you had a, a whole group of the population now that either lost their job, was unable to cope with, you know, XYZ variable or externality, and that effectively led them back into the, the public health system. So what you're describing is incredibly real, and I think that's why it's really important to, to kind of have the conversation around the pandemic as the disease state has come to an end or coming to an end, but that doesn't mean that the work is done. And in fact, unfortunately, um, based on the evidence and the data, it looks like there's quite a bit of work to go do with just condition management. Interesting. And now we're going to dive into this deeper in some subsequent episodes. So really interested to, to do that. Let's maybe transition a little bit and talk about our agency partners. I know we work with agencies at the local, state, and federal government. Let's talk a little bit about some of the big changes that are going on at those three levels. Let's start at the local level. Sure. Local public health has been at the forefront of the pandemic for the last few years, but they represent to me what's best described as sort of like the trusted agent in the community. Those individuals, whether they're like local public health clinics, they might be mobile clinics that are doing, you know, condition testing or management. They might actually just be outreach services as well in a community. Those are the organizations that really proved their mettle, but also demonstrated that these are the places that, again, the population trusts inherently and is willing to go engage with. One of the examples we saw with Tour Health was actually that when I looked across one of our states, I could kind of see all the different testing and vaccination sites. And the one place in that state that seemed to do particularly well wasn't a public health office and it wasn't a government or an agency building. It was a place of worship. And we talk about sort of managing the whole person, right? And there's all these different public health factors and population health factors that make up the individual. But spirituality, especially in the context of being a bastion of trust in a community, played a huge role in, in the testing and vaccination for our side. So, you know, from, from a local level, I would tell you there will be continued and greater reliance on these sort of frontline agencies, both to be able to help take some of the, the pressure off the local health systems, but also to be sort of that ombudsman, if you will, of, of healthcare delivery to especially like underserved communities um, in a particular area. And what about the state level? Well, the state level is interesting. I mentioned it a, a few moments ago, but we saw Medicaid enrollment absolutely skyrocket. And I think that that enrollment in Medicaid programs, especially as certain states expand their Medicaid programs, 
will continue to rise. Um, because again, we've had sort of an interesting crest of employment and unemployment in our country in the last two years. But what you're seeing also is sort of that fundamental breakdown of when an individual loses their job, they're losing their employer benefits, including health insurance. And so part of what the states are trying to do is, is to figure out, again, how to best present that safety net. And that safety net has taken a number of forms Legislatively speaking, you know, those Medicaid programs have expanded in states like Colorado and Mississippi. Some states get more tactical. So like I was thinking about Delaware and Kentucky. Those were two states that were particularly interesting because at the state legislative level, what they wanted to do was basically ease licensure requirements for their providers for effectively interstate care. Uh, and the idea, again, was to figure out how to reach as many people as possible with as you know, little difficulty as possible uh, at the time to manage the, the pandemic. So you're seeing, again, a lot of these types of programs being adopted at the state level. I, I actually think Kentucky also was one of the states that introduced a really interesting program where they were basically putting state funding for long-term care that was exclusively focused on effectively psychosocial treatment around social isolation. So what they found was you know, in the pandemic, as we were all in our homes or, you know, not out there, they took a look at especially their high risk population and really kind of came to the, the realization that, as I mentioned before, there were a number of these behavioral health conditions that needed to be treated. And yet people out there suffering. And again, it's in the old model, it was very easy for a state to look at just treating that condition, looking at what the payment was and effectively reimbursing their, their managed care organization. Now it's a lot different and it's going to require truly like that whole person look from the, the state healthcare perspective. But I would tell you again, the other really interesting trend we're seeing out of the states is this renewed focus on value and renewed focus on what I think of as like truly efficiency in the market. So this idea that the states are coming forward and saying to their managed care organizations, which are, um, for those that don't know, most state Medicaid runs through a, a managed care process what that process really entails is you have a number of large health insurance companies that effectively perform and are responsible for administering Medicaid treatment or Medicaid plan coverage to those beneficiaries. And then ultimately the state reimburses them for that. What you're finding now is like this really renewed and interesting focus on a number of these non-traditional health conditions focused, for example, on community behavioral outreach focused on how well are these organizations at the state level screening for a person's social needs. What are we doing to understand the social determinants of health that affect an individual in one of these communities? And when we talk about that, I mean, it doesn't sound like your traditional, I use this term again, transactional model of, hey, I'm having shortness of breath, I go into the doctor and I get either a script or a plan. What this is really focused on now is, can this person even get to the doctor easily? Do they have reliable transportation? How old is their home? Is the paint on the walls comprised of lead? That's a huge issue. What What is their access to utilities or a reliable utility grid? Is someone on food stamps? And if they are, they aren't. Does somebody have adequate nutritional counseling that they can provide for that family? And so again, like in that respect, the, the floodgates have sort of opened and I, I'm excited and encouraged by it because what it's, it's demonstrating is that at the state level, we're thinking about the individual and healthcare delivery in a very different way. And this is something that's not new, right? We've been talking about population health for over a decade, but because of COVID-19, it's sort of unavoidable at this point. And, and this is what folks have to focus on going forward.
Jeff, is it as simple as, as thinking about this way that traditionally we would be sick, we would treat that symptom or that illness as kind of a, a one-off, as you said, transactional, but now we really we've got to look at a person holistically and treat kind of 360 degrees of a person. That's absolutely right. And it's especially pertinent for those in the population that have traditionally been marginalized, overlooked, um, or underserved. And the reason for that is you, see, you can kind of go back to the your old high school statistic days of you know Pareto charts, where it tends to be the individuals that are most vulnerable that comprise the greatest amount of cost for the system. And again, thinking about the complexity and, and the inherent barriers that exist for those individuals, absolutely. I mean, you have to think about all the different factors that would even just enable you to be able to go and know where to receive healthcare services, let alone manage those conditions. So that's precisely it, what, what you just hit on. And I did fail statistics, so I'm going to move on to the next question. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about the changes that are happening at the federal level. It's interesting. So we're seeing an uptick in, in federal budget allocation for a number of these programs. So I look, for example, at you know going into fiscal year 23, or I guess we're, we might already be there for but you know the White House had proposed, I think, over $150 billion in discretionary spending. There was another $2 trillion that had been allocated for Department of Health and Human Services. So the intent of some of those you know, initiatives really has been to bolster kind of public health emergency preparedness. The other part of that, too, is renewed focus on what infrastructure actually looks like. And part of that, yes, is literal in the sense that we need greater access and, and quite frankly, more places to go to receive care. The other part of that too, I think will be focused on how we again help traditionally underserved communities. And what that really translates to is how easy are these services to access? How affordable are they going to be? Is there an understanding from a health equity perspective as to being an individual that really understands a particular community? That's critical. Um, and it actually, it's so real, right? Like this exists on many levels. We looked at an opportunity in, in one of our states where what they were really looking for was care around perinatal health for, for mom and baby. And the biggest problem was that no organization in that particular community had really presented itself as sort of a trusted agent. And so what was happening was sort of this fear culturally and a little bit of stigma as to what it meant for that new mom and baby to be seen in that particular system. There was fear that if it was found out that there was smoking in the home or there was um, substance abuse in the home, that potentially the hospital was going to call Child Protective Services. But it was real enough that, again, like at the state level, they were pulling down, again, federal funds to go figure out a way to broker this sort of relationship in the community. So what I tell you is, again, I think over the next decade or so, we will see a, a continued and more radical shift, not just in the expansion of coverage, but again, the way that care is actually delivered to a, a variety of individuals in a, in a particular community. Yeah, I love that. I was taking notes as you were talking, accessibility, affordability, such an important thing. And you, you mentioned this at the beginning, but this is such an important topic because it does hit everyone, whether you're going through a, you know, a health crisis yourself, you certainly know of someone, my mom is in a memory care facility. We all know someone who has struggled with COVID or, or opioid epidemic. And so it's such an important topic. And I'm, that's why I think I'm so excited about this three-part series we're doing. Let's talk a little bit about the next two episodes. I think I, the next episode, we're going to really focus in on 
the opioid epidemic, and you've got some special guests you're going to bring on as well. I am. We actually have some incredible partners and even uh, Tyler Associates that'll be on. So Christy Frick, who is a member of our healthcare team, uh, she formerly ran the Controlled Substance Monitoring Program in the state of South Carolina. She'll be joined with uh, Dr. Rob Valick. Rob is a uh, PharmD as well, and he's the CEO of a partner company of ours called RX Assurance. Both individuals have deep and extensive experience uh, sort of battling the, the, the opioid epidemic. But they can also speak to the way that we need to leverage technology and services really to better serve these individuals and to substantially fight this particular epidemic. The big statistic I would tell you here, and I know we talk about the opioid epidemic, but you have approximately 170 people that die every day of an overdose death in the United States. And to put that in perspective, and I used to use this example a lot, but that would be like a Southwest 737 airliner crashing into the ground full of people every single day. And if that was happening, I am firm to believe that the FAA, every state, local health, every agency in, in the United States would be involved looking at this. And yet, unfortunately, we have a lot of individuals working on the front line of this particular epidemic that, again, has, an, has a tendency to be somewhat overshadowed. That's going to be a great That's episode two. We'll, we'll drop that one in two weeks. And then two weeks from then, we will have an episode on care and case management. Talk to us a little bit about what that one's going to be about. Yeah. So on the care and case management episode, um, we, we teased it a little bit today. But the way that care is delivered, um, in particular, in a, in a setting that's outside of the four walls of a hospital, right? And what that's going to look like and part of what we alluded to with that new model is, how do you go meet a person where they're at in their particular community to help provide some of those screening and health services, either A, before the condition manifests or B, um, so that they feel like they have better control and, and maintenance on their health. And that trickles up systemically, right? That goes all the way to the top where you're then talking about how does the state and ultimately the federal government help manage those individuals that are on Medicare or Medicaid that maybe need that additional level of service, support, assistance, or, or what have you. But certainly that that will be the forefront of what I think the new model in, in healthcare is looking to be. Well, I can't wait for this three-part series. And Jeff, in the meantime, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, what's what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, go ahead and email me at jeff.stocker at tylertech.com. We would love to have conversations. I would tell you that you know, healthcare is such an expansive topic. It's one of those topics that it's like the word science. It's really hard to define when you think about how encompassing it is and, and how nebulous that definition can be. But I think that's a positive. And uh, we would love to help any of our, our Tyler colleagues figure out ways to better address some of these issues or crises or, you know, find areas of synergy amongst our organizations. Well, Jeff, as we've mentioned, healthcare is such an important topic, impacts everybody. Really excited about this episode. So much great information. Certainly excited about episode number two around the opioid epidemic and episode three or part three around care and case management. So thanks so much for bringing your expertise. Thanks for bringing those guests on. And we're really excited to hear parts two and parts three. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. I'm excited. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. I'm very excited, as I said many times on the episode, about this three-part series focusing on healthcare because, like I said, it is such an important topic that impacts everyone. Look for part two in two weeks. So we drop this 
usually every other Monday. And so in two weeks, we will have part two, two weeks after that, part three. Thanks again to Jeff Stocker for joining us today and really excited about the guests he's got planned for part two and part three. Well, thank you for joining us. We, as I said, drop new episodes just about every other Monday. So please subscribe. Again, this is Jeff Harrell, Director of Content Marketing for Tyler Technologies. Thanks so much for joining me. We'll talk to you soon.